They've been married for 30 years. <laughs> He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Believe it or not, Mary Danielle's babysitting. I'm not babysitting. She's watching our grandson. I'll be filling in. I'll tell you, today's topic, a biblical worldview of sexuality. Why do I bring this up? Well, because look at the transgenders. Look at all the homosexuals, uh, you know, uh, all the problems that we have right now in saying, you know, I want to be a man. I want to be a, a, a woman. I mean, they're so mixed up. Let's go back to what God's design is for a man and a woman. So that's what we're going to be covering. We're going to take it right from the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And then I have a very interesting article I'm going to share before that about following the science. You know how they always say this, follow the science. Yeah, about babies, what do you think inside mother's womb? A banana? No. We got ultrasound. We can see the baby. My, my second granddaughter, I saw you know through a scan there, ultrasound, and it's hanging on my refrigerator. And you can see that it's a baby. I mean, how, what, who would deny that except someone who wants to kill unborn babies? You know, that's the only ones that can deny it. So let's talk about uh, the uh, science and about devout Catholic people who experience the most sexual satisfaction. Why? Because they're committed to each other. And I'll get into that scientifically, but it's also grace building on nature that when you do things God's way, yeah, there's a lot more pleasure in doing it God's way because grace builds on nature. I want to do the gospel today, and then, of course, today is a feast of St. Padre Peel, and I got some special things about him. I was, My wife and I and our four children were at the canonization of Padre Peel back in June of 2002. Well, the gospel is Luke chapter 9 for today's Mass, and I want to recommend to all of us even if your duties in your state in life, you can't go to daily Mass, uh, read the readings for the daily Mass. Get a missal. You can go online to the Bishop's Conference. Those readings are there every day. Think about that. I, I share this because in the morning, uh, it's a busy time, you know, for once everybody gets up, it's busy. So I get up before everybody gets up, and I read my readings from the Bible. I say my prayers. I think about the beauty of the day that God's given to me for one purpose, for, this, for me to work out my, my salvation in fear and trembling by serving my family. It's that simple. Yeah. Every day, what am I going to do to serve my family, serve Christ in his church? And that's what gets me up in the bed, out of bed and says, say my prayers. Thank God that he's given me another day to do this. I don't want to just live selfishly and say, well, what am I going to get? What pleasure am I going to get today? You know, thinking about my lunch or my dinner. No, it's okay to talk about, you know, a nice meal, but don't dwell on it all day. Let's talk about the supernatural life because really our world has kind of denied, not kind of, it's denied the supernatural. So let's go ahead and read the gospel of Luke chapter 9, verse 18 to 22. Once when Jesus was praying in solitude and the disciples were with him, he asked them, Who do the crowd say that I am? They said in reply, John the Baptist, others Elijah, 
still others. One of the ancient prophets has arisen. Then he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Peter said to him in reply, The Christ of God. He rebuked them and directed them not to tell this to anyone. And he said, The Son of Man must suffer greatly and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed and on the third day be raised. And that's exactly what happened, right? So it's interesting. I always remind myself of there were the Sadducees who didn't believe in the resurrection and the Pharisees who did believe in the resurrection. And the way you know it is the Sadducees are very sad. They don't, have their, they don't believe in the resurrection. That's how you can remember that little tidbit. But, you see, they were expecting uh, somebody who would be like a military leader, political leader, <coughs> to save them uh, <coughs> from the Jews. And they didn't re realize that Christ would be the anointed one and to reopen up the gates of heaven through his death and resurrection. All right, and then I'm going to give you one more quote from one of my favorite guys, since this is uh, the Bible with the Barbers, Fulton Sheen. I will never tire. Full Sheen ahead. I'll never tire of talking about his writings because they're so good. And again, a biblical worldview, and I like this, what Bishop Sheen says about love. He says, the love of God never knows the words too much. Those who accuse others of loving God or religion too much really do not love God at all, nor do they know the meaning of love. Well, that's why they've got love letter, the Bible. We have to, we have to read that on a regular basis, or we should, because that's where we find out how much God loves us. And as I've said many, many times over the 42 years of ministry, if God stopped thinking about you, our listener, you would cease to exist. That's how powerful God's love is. So I want you to keep that in mind. All right, I'm going to switch gears right now and go right into this article. And then I've got my trusty catechism and Bible, and we're going to get into that. This was an article in the LifeSite News saying, Follow the science. Devout. Married people experience the most sexual satisfaction. Now what? You know, we've had the sexual revolution basically has failed on its own terms. Remember how they said, oh, we're going to have free love? I was a little boy in the 60s. Yeah. And the uh, hippies were running around. You know, the uh, this is all about love and free love and open marriages where... People were having multiple partners and this was all going to make things better. Well, it made it worse. The family life degenerated through the sexual revolution. People were answering, looking for answers and it turned out that we, we actually have the answer. It's our Catholic faith, but nobody wanted to you know, really look into that. So the mantra of progressives over the past years has been follow the science, except when it comes to babies in mother's wombs. Not, of course, on gender ideology or embryology 
or anything else that conflicts with their political agenda. But when it's convenient, follow the science. <laughs> Not you know, this is so funny. The they just don't want to do it when you know when it, when it's inconvenient. In addition to choosing and following this science attitude, progressives, which I call the the sexual revolution, insist that they are sex positive. What the heck is that? And that the sexual revolution has freed people to pursue whatever pleasures they like without restrictions or moral boundaries. That's what they call free sex. They're still doing it in our culture. And it's still getting people sick with diseases that are uncurable. Now, have people really been liberated, as we were told, to be happy? I don't think so. Look at the suicide rates. Look at the family life. No, it's not happy. uh, Legions of slimy magazines are available at every checkout counter with advice as to the sorts of sexual aerobatics that might be required to achieve this happiness. Why are they doing that? You know why? Because it's not working. They're coming up with new ideas when just, you know what I say in this article doesn't say it. Don't have sex before you get married. That's a biblical worldview. And it will be much better for you in your marriage. But if we are going to follow the science and pursue happiness with regards to sex, progressives are in for a nasty shock. Yeah, you could share this with your friends who think you're nuts because you're only married to the same woman for 40 years. Some of you may remember the study that was released back in 2019. I remember this one, indicating that the happiest of all American wives consider themselves religious conservatives. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, I remember that happening, and they go, oh, no, let's not talk about that. Well, Jesse and I talked about that because it's true. Now, another recent study found that those who waited for marriage to have sex and sleep with only one person had the highest level of sexual satisfaction and the best quality marriages. Because that's a world biblical view, dude. This is why following the Bible and the Catholic Church's teaching on marriage and love, this is when you're going to be the happiness. But what do we do? We, we go, oh, no, we have a better idea. We're like Ford. Now, when I come back after the break, I'm going to share another study published just this year that uh, it's very interesting. There's consistency here. And, you know, it's like, do we read, do we hear this family? Do we hear this, the world? That living a world biblical view of your marriage, you're happier, you have family uh, unity, and you're not going to have as many divorces. Very small amount of people divorce when they have that world biblical view of marriage. And when I come back, I say, there's another study that's going to indicate, hey, knock me over the head and tell me, follow the Bible's mandate on marriage, not man's mandate. Stay with us, family. This is Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio, and I'm excited to share this with you to help you fall deeper in love with Jesus Christ and His bride, the church.
Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back. Mary Danielle's babysitting, and I'm here in the saddle, sitting here talking to you about a world biblical view of sexuality. And I'm just laughing to myself at the break. I'm thinking, the world doesn't know the Catholic Church has the answer for happiness. And, you know, we've got so many gurus coming up with all kinds of ideas, you know, especially in the last 50, 60 years that have just shown total failure. You look at everybody knows, even if you're not a believer, that there's something wrong with the culture. Well, yeah, we threw God out. I mean, I'm going to get back to this article about another recent study, again, pointing out that religious people who have a religious view of marriage are happier. They have more satisfaction with their partner in the intimacy of communing with each other. Why? Because they're doing it God's way. So another recent study found that those who waited for marriage, you know, like I said, to have sex and slept with only one person, have the highest levels, okay? Another journal published this year in the Journal of Sex Research, (laughs) again, adds to this growing body of research. The study found that those with strong religious beliefs have a higher level of satisfaction with sexuality in their spouse. And this is the finding by the British National Survey of Sexual Attitudes and Lifestyles and indicate religious individuals enjoy uh, intimacy more. As the New York Post summed up the findings, for good sex, turns out you have to have faith. Well, and again, it comes back down to a biblical worldview of our uh, marriage. And again, we have it very clear in our Catholic faith, marriage, two ends. We have the unity of the husband and wife and the openness to life. See, what's happened is the world has separated that to say, no, no, no. Sex is like recreation. Like I want to go to the gym to work out. Well, I'm just going to have sex to work out. It doesn't matter who it is. No, that's why when you do that, you, you know, there's an old saying that, you know, God will forgive. Uh, Of course, man sometimes forgives, but nature never forgives. So when you commit these sins of fornication or adultery, uh, there can be consequences to your body. Yeah, you can go to confession, but you know what? Nature doesn't forgive. Now, that simplifies things a bit, of course, but it certainly affirms once again that the structures blown apart by the sexual revolution were actually the very structures in which healthy, happy, sustainable sexuality flourished and flourishes, as the study found. And I love this. This this music to my ears. Pious married women, that's my wife, she's pious, report having more satisfying sex lives than non-devout ladies, according to the findings. And I believe that is, again, it's because that's the way God set it up, man. You do it God's way, not man's way. Now, single religious men insisted that they had very satisfying love life too, but responded less favorably when factoring attitudes about casual sex. Researchers also found sex outside the sacred union of marriage, whether casual or without love, both typically no nonsense for the most devout. 
was not considered sexually satisfying for both men and women who worship. So when you don't do it God's way, that's when you have problems. The relationship, okay, between sex frequency and sexual satisfaction is neither simple nor straightforward, said the university, who worked with, you know, the Norwegian Institute of Public Health and Columbia University on this new report. The research suggests that people who are more promiscuous, promiscuity are less likely to form longer relationships. Therefore, both men and women who admitted to having many casual encounters were less satisfied. That's just a fact. And that's why, if you notice the statistics on people who have same-sex attraction, they have uh, sex with more people than ever, you know, sometimes up to over 100, 200 partners in their lifetime. Well, that also is really messing you up, too, because it's not the way God designed it. Now, over and over again, the data confirms this. Don't shack up before you get married. That's a world biblical view, okay? Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not fornicate. Yeah, that's the biblical view. I'll never forget, this happened about two years ago when COVID came through. We were doing the commandments with Bishop Joseph Strickland here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Now, you can hear that on our podcast, the Bishop Strickland Hour. And we were on YouTube at the time. And I got a letter from them saying, you guys can't uh, condemn adultery. This is offensive to our listenership. And they gave us a strike. If you do it two more times, you are off YouTube network. And I was laughing to Bishop Strickland. I said, Bishop Strickland, is this how far the culture has gone? that we can't commit one of the Ten Commandments and we're going to be labeled as an extremist group and then taken off social media? Yep, that's what we're up against today. So, again, uh, the biblical view, don't have sex before marriage, commit yourself to one person for life. As it turns out, the freedom of monogamy allows people to love and cherish one another in deep, in meaningful ways rather than simply skating across the surface with many partners. I think that's a good way of saying it, you know, skating. But this leads to better and more satisfying intimacy. We now know this for decades because the research consistently turns up with the same results across the field. Really? I mean, you think? What do we need, these, these surveys to know that? Again, go back to your Bible and not what man is coming up with. The sexual revolution has failed on its own terms. The answer we're looking for, it turns out, we had it all along. And it's time to follow the science. I love it. And I bring this article up for you because, again, it's important to have a world biblical view on every aspect of your life. The whole aspect of sexuality yeah, the world has got it so mixed up that many young people don't even understand why would I want to, why should we get married? See? We don't need to get married. That's because we haven't been taught. They haven't been catechized with the world biblical view. Now, 
I am going to open up the Catechism of the Catholic Church, and I think about this. Jesse and I just did a, a show, for those who didn't listen, on the Vatican II. And we talked about this study. Let me just share it with you. We talked about this study about Catholics and what was Vatican II all about. And see if you can see what I see, because when Pope John the Twenty-Third solemnly opened the council, he said the major interest of this ecumenical council is this, the sacred heritage of Christian truth be safeguarded. And I think about the topic of sexuality. Has it been safeguarded? Well, his predecessors and other other popes, like Paul VI in 68, did the Humanae Vitae document on human sexuality, and the world rejected it. Even people in the church rejected it. As a matter of fact, even today, 2022, high officials in the church don't want to hear about Humanae Vitae. But they're not Vatican II prelates. I'll say that because I'm basing it on what John the Twenty Third said, that we're supposed to, uh, the sacred heritage of Christian truth, be safeguarded and expounded with greater efficacy, not be poo-pooed. See? That's why it's important that we have that. And he also made uh, this as an important part, the opportunity for the church to return to the essentials of spiritual life, particularly the instruction of the faithful. Now, you know how many Catholics are ignorant the last 50, 60 years because they haven't been instructed. This is why I say that Vatican II has not been tried. And the Holy Father clarifying said what is needed and what everyone is imbued with a truly Christian, Catholic, and apostolic spirit craves today is that the doctrine that we're studying right here shall be more widely known, more deeply understood, more penetrating in its effects on man's moral lives. All right, let's go look at the last 50, 60 years. Has the moral lives of our church gone up or gone down? Pretty much it's gone down. Look at the marriages and... Look at the uh, the effects of the sexual revolution. So we would say the Holy Father, John XXIII, had this ideal in Vatican II that this was what was going to happen. Now listen to what he said also that's really important. He said, it's absolutely vital that the church never for an instant lose sight of sacred patrimony of truth. Yeah, we're not supposed to miss that. Yeah. He says this, and this is what I really just inherited from the fathers of the church. This is why we constantly say at Virgin Most Powerful, what do the fathers have to say? But rather, a matter of updating the way in which we, the sacred, perennial, unchanging truths are set forth in the church teachings. That word perennial, that means ever it's, 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 there's no expiration date, right? And, you know, we have people in the church, high officials, saying, oh, we have to throw this out now. You know, Hermione Vitae, no, we have to relook and value uh, same-sex uh, uh, marriages. We got to, you know, be open to that. 
And that's not what Vatican II said. It said we have to uh, set the perennial and unchanging truths are set forth in the church teachings. But this project wasn't easy, you know, as you know. Uh, but I only bring this up because it's tying it into the teaching on marital sexual relations with a husband and a wife. The effect of it is when we live that world biblical view, we will be more happy, more satisfying, and our marriages will be much better off than if we said, well, let's just go along with the Joneses or let's just go along with the world, the devil, and the flesh because it's too hard to do it a biblical worldview. Well, no, it's not because if we have grace, which is the life of God in us, how do we get grace? Confession, the Eucharist. Yes, those are the things that we need to do when we're a married couple. Together, that's what my wife and I do. Practice what you preach, Terry. I'm trying. Hey, I love this topic. I hope you do too. When we come back, we'll open up our catechisms and talk more about a world biblical view of sexuality in our own marriage. Stay with us, family. Terry with the Bible with the Bible. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back. Mary Danielle's on uh, babysitting duty, and I'm here, so we switched uh, chairs for the today. And we're talking about a biblical worldview of sexuality from marriage. And I thought of what Fulton Sheen had to say about our culture, and see if this applies to you, applied to me. Bishop Sheen once said, It is a characteristic of any decaying civilization that the great masses of people are unaware of a tragedy. And I think we can apply that to family life. We're unaware of this. It's going down. People are going, oh, that's all right. You know, he also said, Humanity in a crisis is generally insensitive to the gravity of the times in which we live. Boy, that's today, especially when it comes to sexuality. And this is a great line by Sheen. He says, men do not want to believe their own times are wicked. Oh, we sure don't, but they are. Partly because they have no standard outside of themselves by which to measure their times. If there is no fixed concept of justice, how shall man know it is violated? See, that's the, that's the sexual revolution. There's no boundaries. It's free love, man. Do what you want. Do it as long as you want. If it feels good, do it. He's nailing us right in our culture right now with Bishop Sheen. He says this, Only those who live by faith really know what is happening in the world. Because you have a supernatural view. God's giving you that. The great masses without faith are unconscious of the destructive uh, process going on because they have lost the vision of the heights from which they have fallen. Again, this is what I've seen in my own lifetime, what Bishop Sheen is saying. People deny truth. They say things like, you have your truth. I have my truth. No, 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 no. Objective truth is outside of my opinion or your opinion. 
objective truth is revealed truth by Jesus Christ and his church through the Bible. Yep, that's that's what we're talking about. So, knowing all that about our culture, let's open up to what the Catholic Church really teaches about the sacrament of marriage. And you can say, but I've studied this before. Well, so have I, many times. But, you know, if you're a good athlete, you work on the fundamentals. You want a good marriage? You work on your fundamentals. So paragraph 1601 says, the matrimonial covenant by which a man and a woman establish between themselves as partnerships of the whole of life is by its nature ordered towards the good of the spouses and the procreation and education of the offspring. This covenant between the baptized person has been raised by Jesus Christ, the Lord, to a dignity of a sacrament. Do you see what it said? For the good of the spouses and the procreation and education of offspring. When I see education, I just want to remind you, I don't believe you can take your kids to public school today with the culture of death that's out there today. I would highly recommend you find some private schools that believe in original sin. There's some good Catholic schools out there. But as a husband and wife, you're responsible for the education. You're first and foremost, not the teachers. That's your job to be that teaching. Now, marriage in God's plan, this is what we talked about, versus the man's plan. Sacred scripture begins with the creation of man and women in the image and likeness of God and conclude with the vision of a wedding feast of the Lamb. Scripture speaks throughout of marriage and its mystery, its institution and the meaning God has given it, its origin and its end, its various realization throughout the history of salvation, the difficulties arising from sin, and its renewal in the Lord, in the new covenant of the church. Remember, St. John Paul II said it this way, the way the family goes is the way the culture goes. Strong families, strong culture. Our culture is a mess. Marriages are a mess. Now, I've said this over and over again all around the country. How do you stay in love with your wife? Well, number one, you renew your vows often because that recommitment will help you stay in love with her. Because your love will not last because you're a tough dude. Your love will last because you have the power to renew that love. And I believe that's what Bishop Sheen said in his book, Three to Get Married. And I'll recommend that we have a download on our website of that book, Three to Get Married. You have a son or daughter getting married, please have them read Archbishop Sheen's Three to Get Married book or have we'll read it to them because my wife and I read that book. I know many couples have read it before they got married and it was a big, big influence in our marriage by what Bishop Sheen had to say. It was a Trinitarian approach and he nailed it. Now, just to get it set, because we got a world that's all messed up when it comes to marriage. 
Catechism lays it out very clearly that marriage in the order of creation, the intimate community life and love which constitute the married state has been established by the creator and enjoyed by him with its own proper laws. God himself is the author of marriage. Did you hear that? Not the state, not you, not your wife. God himself is the author of marriage. This is the way God designed it. See, anytime we start changing God's design, we're going to get ourselves in trouble. Now, the vocation to marriage is written in the very nature of man and woman as they came from the hand of the Creator. Marriage is not purely human institution. Despite the many variations, it may have undergone throughout the centuries in different cultures, social structures, spiritual attitudes. These differences should not cause us to forget its common and permanent characteristic. Although the dignity, okay, the dignity and the institution is not transparent everywhere in the same clarity. Some sense of the greatness of the matrimonial union exists in all cultures. The well-being of the individual person and of both human and Christian society is closely bound up with the healthy state of conjugal and family life. Again, the way the family goes is the way the culture goes. See, this is fundamental teachings, but I repeat it often because paragraph 1604 says, God who created man out of love also calls him to love. The fundamental and innate vocation of every human being. For man is created in the image and likeness of God who is himself love. Since God created him man and woman, their mutual love become an image of the absolute and unfailing love with which God loves man. Wow, what a difference from the worldview. <laughs> it is good, very good in the Creator's eyes, and this love which God blesses is intended to be fruitful and to be realized in the common work of watching over creation. And God blessed them, and God said to them in Genesis, right? Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Now, we know in the world right now, they're trying to sell us on this idea that the world is overpopulated. we got to cut down on the you know, consumption of people. We've got to get rid of them through birth control, through abortion. And that's just plain wrong. Okay? That's not what the Catholic Church teaches. And we're at odds with the world. But as I said many times before, who's influencing who? Is the world influencing the church? Or is the church influencing the world? Well, I think if we would teach our, these teachings that are a secret, I mean, you don't hear the bishops or the priests talking like this. And they should! So I'm encouraging them they let the cat out of the bag because people need to know the truth about marriage and what the Bible has to say. Paragraph 1605, the Holy Scripture affirms that man and woman were created for one another. You see? 
It didn't say man and man, woman and woman. Get back to the biblical view. You know, look at what the percentage I know of, of transgender people who have been committing suicide. They're not happy. And, you know, out of charity, charity, we have to correct them. And I always say this. This is my line from one of the Pope Felix III. I use it often. Not to oppose error is to approve it. Not to defend truth is to suppress it. And indeed, to neglect, to confound evil men when we can do it is no less a sin than to encourage them. That's really why we have to proclaim the perennial teachings of the church when it comes to marriage. Because the world's all mixed up. And we have the truth and we're not going to tell them? Well, I call that a sin of omission. Yeah, I believe even our church right now, prelates, objectively, aren't teaching, governing, and sanctifying the way the church is supposed to do that. And we're going to be held responsible. Because as the Bible says, too much has been given, much has been expected. And when you're a shepherd in the church, we should be doing what Bishop Joseph Strickland does every week on Virgin Most Powerful Radio, every Tuesday. He teaches people the fundamentals of the Catholic faith. I hear that music. I got you. We come back. We're going to continue with the Catechism of the Catholic Church. It's teachings on a world biblical view of sexuality and marriage and why the Catholic Church has this answer that the world's looking for. They can't find it without us. Stay with us now. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back. Mary's babysitting. I'm in for the show. We're chatting about the beautiful Catholic Church teachings on marriage and sexuality and how the world could learn so much from our faith if we would just tell people. And right now, it's kind of like a secret. I don't think even Catholics know the beautiful teachings because the Catechism of the Catholic Church tells it all, but I don't believe enough people are reading what we believe in, and it'll affect their lives in a very powerful way. And then the Catechism talks about something that's very special because it talks about marriage under the regime of sin, that we live in a sinful world. Yeah, you think? Of course. Every man experiences evil around him, within himself. Are you kidding? We're always fighting at concupiscence, right? Yes. This experience makes himself felt in the relationships between man and women. Their union has always been uh, threatened by the discord, the spirit of domination, infidelity, jealousy, conflicts that can escalate into hatred and separation. This disorder can manifold itself more and more acutely and can be more and more or less overcome according to the circumstances of the culture. Now, I'll just give you an example. Here at our chapel at Sacred Heart, we do a couple hundred funerals every year. And I'm the knucklehead who, who uh, manages all that. And last night, a gentleman died through a car accident. He's only 41 years old. But his former wife 
Okay, and this is what I'm talking about, marriage. Because they divorced 14 years ago. And this man, at the time when he was alive, was reaching out to his former wife to try and get back together. But she said, no, no, I'm not interested. And then he dies in a car crash. I'm finding all this out last night. 400 people packed into our little chapel. This woman comes up to the coffin. The man's dead. And she's talking to him as if he's alive, saying, I want you back. I, I made a mistake. I'm sorry. Yeah, she did this last night. I saw, I witnessed this. Now, again, she was out of control, weeping. Oh, it was, it was a sad scenario. But I thought of what, you know, the marriage, 14 years ago, they divorced. She didn't want anything to do with him. He dies, and now she has, uh, like, oh, I can't live without you. Those were the words she used. But you see, if she would understand that marriage is for life and that whatever the reasons they divorced 14 years ago, you know, Look what, now look what that woman today, right now, I'm, uh, she's still alive. I'm sure she's thinking about what happened at the funeral last night. And she's very sad. Why? Because she didn't have a world biblical view of marriage. And the death of her husband woke her up. Let's don't do that. I don't want that to happen to anybody again. I was so sad seeing her there and realizing to myself, She's a Catholic. She hasn't been taught the faith. How many more people are out there today because no one's been teaching them the fundamentals of marriage? Please do me a favor. Take your catechism of the Catholic Church. Start reading it on a daily basis, not daily, weekly. Get yourself up because you can share this good news of marriage to your son, your daughter, relatives, friends. And the thing about truth is it's very, very beautiful to see the truth of the gospel and to live it. And as the Catechism said in 1606, we all experience this evil. And he says in 1607 that according to faith, the disorder we notice so painfully does not stem from the nature of man and women, nor from the nature of the relations, but from sin. Yeah, from sin. As a break with God, the first sin had it before its first consequences, the rapture of original communion between man and woman. Their relations were distorted by mutual recriminations, their mutual attraction. The creator's gift changed into a relationship of domination and lust. That's what we got. And the beautiful vocation of man and woman to be fruitful, multiply, and subdue the earth were burdened by the pain of childbirth and the toil of work. Why am I bringing this up? Because think about this. We're living right now where very few marriages are taking place in Catholic churches. Very few people are even bothering to get married when they meet a young lady or a man and they're going to live together in mortal sin. And objectively, you know, it's a sin, serious sin, Many of them have no clue because they haven't been presented the truth of the gospel. And many of them were baptized Catholics 
didn't get catechized at the parish level. CCD was all about, let's go have pizza and soda and not talk about the meaning and purpose of life. So for me, sitting here talking to you here at Virgin Most Powerful about marriage and family life, I couldn't think of a better thing to do is to share the gospel with you so that you'll share it with others. Think about this, folks. If I had went to a, gone to a great restaurant, wouldn't you say, Terry, there's a great Italian restaurant on such and such a street. We ate there yesterday. You got to go. It's great. What about our Catholic faith? What about the beautiful teachings on marriage? Are we just going to keep it to ourselves? I hope not. You know, I wrote a book called How to Share Your Faith with Anyone. And if you want to get a copy of that, call 877-526-2151, especially for family members who are not living the faith. We need these techniques of the gospel. Yes, they're techniques. Call people by name, show and explain, ask questions. All these things help you share the gospel because grace builds on nature. And I would ask you, our listener, Take the Catechism of the Catholic Church, study it in your family life so that they're going to be high-information Catholics, not low-information Catholics. Because right now, for every eight Catholics who leave the Catholic Church, one come in. One, eight-to-one ratio. Now, you don't have to be a mathematician to figure out that won't last very long. The numbers of Catholics going to church, about 20%. 80% aren't even showing up to go to Mass. Why? Well, the world has infected us with sin. And it's glamoring for lots of people. Eh, why not go shack up? Come on, have a good time. Well, that's the devil. Temptation. Let's turn away from sin and believe in the gospel. And that's why today I had chosen this topic of what the Catholic Church's teachings are on regarding sexuality and marriage and in general. Because it answers these questions that the world is all confused about because they think that if someone says, I'm a woman, then you're a woman. If I'm a man, I'm not a man, I can say it by saying it. See, what's happened is everybody continues to believe that truth is something that's inside of each person. You have your truth, I have my truth, when in fact, it's a fact, that's garbage. We have the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's our guidepost. The Bible is our family heirloom that leads us to heaven. And I encourage you to take the Bible and the catechism together and make it a lifetime occupation. That thing's worn out. I And, and again, Listen to Bishop Strickland's Hour every Tuesday on Virgin Most Powerful Radio where he'll take his tweets and then he takes the catechism and teaches us the fundamentals of our faith. I never get tired of relearning my faith. Why? Because it's a lifetime occupation. You can't just go, oh, well, I, I took my catechism class, I'm, I'm done. No, it's about a relationship, man we got to have a, a, a relationship with the Creator, with Jesus Christ, and take on our Blessed Mother. And remember, you've got a guardian angel. That's a very biblical teaching. Your guardian angel's um, work is, is not being used right now. The unemployment rate's way too high for guardian angels. And I might add also, 
on the 29th of September, there's a new movie coming out on St. Michael the Archangel. Check it out. I saw the, 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 the uh, teaser. It looks great. Why? We need all the heavenly help we can get in this world that acts like God doesn't exist. And again, take Bishop Fulton Sheen's material that I give you every uh, day. We have, that full, we have that full Sheen Ahead channel on YouTube. Check that out. You can support our show by going to catholicrc.org. Lots of downloads there. You know, I don't listen to anything else other than podcasts because of my, my formation. I'm constantly wanting to be formed better in my relationship with Jesus Christ. So show me where you spend your time and I'll tell you who you are. If it's at the ballpark, you must like the ballpark. If it's in church, you must like being before the Blessed Sacrament. Remember, Our Lady said it well. And in Fatima, which is a reaffirmation of the gospel, she said it so well when she said that souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. Well, what sacrifices can we make on a, on a, on a Friday? We can do some kind of act of, of a charity. That's a sacrifice. Give some money to somebody. Go out and help somebody. But remember this. The Fatima uh, prayers of reparation are so beautiful. Most Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I adore you profoundly. I offer you the most precious body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ present in all the tabernacles of the world in reparation for the outrages, sacrileges, and indifferences by which he is offended. And through the infinite merits of the most sacred heart and the immaculate heart of Mary, I beg the conversion of poor sinners. And again, you know, I'll never forget you know, the, well, it's a one minute, Fatima, July 13th of 17, when the angel uh, with a flaming sword and left hand flashing gave out flames, saying to the repent, penance, penance, penance. Well, we live in a world that needs lots of penance. We live in a world that's mixed up, that doesn't understand the beautiful teachings of marital love. And it's selfishly been teaching people that if it feels good, do it, when in fact, if we do it God's way, that's when it's going to be the best. I want to thank you for joining me here at the Bible with the Barbers. And I, I'm sure my wife, I'll, I'll be babysitting next Friday. Or she'll be in or vice versa. May uh, God richly bless you and keep the faith and share this podcast with other people that you know, that you love, and that you care about. Thanks again for supporting us here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. God love you.